Hey, this is Chrissy. And this is Allie. And we're coming to you from the future because you have not started listening to the podcast yet if you're on episode one. But we wanted to let you know if you are a Fleabag fan, we have a brand new 2021 Fleabag Situation wall calendar that you can pre-order right now on Etsy by searching the Fleabag Situation, all one word. It's designed and illustrated by one of our listeners, Eliza Wilson, and you can find her at Eliza the Wiz. She made these incredible custom illustrations throughout. We've got covers for every single episode, over 150 holidays and very important special occasions, both in the Fleabag universe and in the real world. And I can sincerely say it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen and I have a child. (laughs) And we can't wait for you all to see it. It makes a great gift to yourself, which is really the most important thing, or anyone else who enjoys Fleabag and who deserves pure joy right now. In the meantime, please enjoy the Fleabag situation and thank you for listening. Thanks. So it turns out it's quite hard to come up with something original to say about Fleabag, but I've had a go. Fleabag is awful. It's awful. It's painful. It's frightening. It makes you doubt yourself creatively, judge yourself existentially, distance yourself from the other people in your life so you can binge it for the 14th time. It makes you selfish because you want more even though you know the ending was perfect makes you creepy because now you're always on the lookout for foxes makes you obsessed with your hair because hair is everything makes you cruel to anyone who doesn't like fleabag makes you say and do things you never thought you would do like fly to london for the weekend just to get a selfie with andrew scott more on that later a perfect show like fleabag is all any of us want and it's hell when we get there So no wonder it's something we don't want to obsess about on our own. I was taught if we're born with love for complex characters and layered narrative, then watching TV is about choosing the right show to find it. People talk about that a lot, feeling right. When a show is good, it's easy to watch. But I'm not sure that's true. It takes strength to know what makes a televised work of art. And loving Fleabag isn't something that weak people do. Being a fan of pop culture takes a hell of a lot of hope. I think what they mean is, when you find a series that articulates your doubts and fears, that reassures you in its honesty and humanity, feels like hope. To take words from this script of Fleabag, be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Now, let's get on with the big bit. Okay, Pam, I will be there to cupcake. Congratulations, you assholes. You're listening to the first episode of The Fleabag Situation. I'm Chrissy Moore. I'm Allie Lemko-Torin. And we uh, basically needed to start this podcast because everybody was tired of hearing us talk about Fleabag. Um, and we decided we needed to talk to people who appreciated people who talk about Fleabag incessantly. And everybody needs an outlet. Yes, exactly. So um, we decided, and what was funny, so I have a friend, Dana, who um, basically just texted me, hey, you should start a Fleabag podcast. We weren't even talking about Fleabag. She just goes, you should start a Fleabag podcast. And I kind of turned to my husband. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Oh, like, and I, it, it like, stuck with me. Yeah. And a month later, here we are. 
And so um, Allie and I talk about Fleabag a lot at work. So we should just, I guess, set up exactly kind of who we are. Like, why? who the hell are we and why do we have uh, permission to do this? Who gave you permission? (laughs) Who gave us permission (laughs) to do this podcast? Uh, So we both work at a health website in Mm -hmm. Atlanta, um, which has nothing to do with our appreciated show Fleabag. It's just who we are, where we're based to kind of ground us. It worked out. Yeah. Um, So I guess we'll just start by talking... Well, let's talk about the reason for the name, the Fleabag situation. Yes. It started as the cupcake situation. It did. Which is a nod to our favorite church employee, Pam. Um, but then we decided Fleabag situation kind of fit better. Because, like, and, we know the people listening to this will probably get it. Yes. But better to reach all audiences. And also, like, I think the Fleabag situation kind of just refers to my life right now, which is kind of just a whole Fleabag situation. We're in Fleabag Fleabag. Yeah. We're in fleabag heaven lately. It's all I do. Well, for us, it's heaven. Yeah. I think for the people around us who Well, that's why I originally it. watched it is because I like having conversations with you and Aww, yeah. I couldn't. <laughs> so, yeah, I think if you asked our husbands, they would say we have a very big fleabag situation, situation on our hands. So let's go back to when did you first start watching fleabag? How did you hear about it? Oh, oh my God. From uh, a certain Chrissy Moore. Oh, well, she has great taste. I did see the image on Amazon Prime. They wanted me to watch it. And I was like, now is this season one or season two? Season two. Okay. They, whatever the current thumbnail is of her, like tear streaked oh, okay. face on the road. Right. And I was intrigued, but not enough to right. watch it. Yeah. And I will forever be grateful to you, Chrissy. <laughs> well, so you're pressuring me. And now I have to make a confession, (laughs) so to speak, that I did not watch season one when it first came out. And I had seen a couple of people on Twitter raving about it. And like you, I saw the image, which was her tear stained walking down the street and it's called Fleabag. And someone's like, oh, and it's British. And I was like, okay, is this some kind of weird artsy, Mm -hmm. like weird, like depressing British thing, British thing. Um, And because I'm not that smart. So uh yeah and and so i never watched it and even though one of my friends whose taste i trust implicitly on twitter was like this is the greatest six episodes of television i've ever seen well and that's what you told me and that's why i watched it so that was after season one though she was like raving about it and i still was like slow on the draw so then season two obviously came out again and i had actually quit twitter at this point for mental health and um (laughs) it obviously didn't work because i'm back (laughs) on it but I had quit Twitter, so I wasn't seeing a lot of the talk about it when it came out in Britain. Then I kind of rejoined like around end of May, which is when it started coming out here. And so we're American, in case you didn't know. Um, And so... Surprised. Yeah. um, Atlanta probably gave that away. So then I... um, (laughs) And I I so clearly remember my friend Emma was over here. She was about to have her second baby. And this was like our last like get together before she had this second baby. And we were all just talking about TV, and I was like, I keep hearing about Fleabag. Everybody's like raving about season two of Fleabag, that it's amazing. And it was funny because she goes, oh, and it's got Adam Scott in it. <laughs> and I was like, it does? <laughs> and then we looked, and she's like, no, that's wrong. And and she goes, it's the guy from Sherlock. And I was like, oh, Andrew, like we looked it up, it was like Andrew Scott. And it's so quaint to remember a time when Andrew Scott was just a name I didn't know. Um, how things change. how things have changed um because we're gonna get to the story where i flew to london to meet him yes she did do that so <laughs> i um where was i 
we're gonna Emma. Cut, cut all this so emma was just like <laughs> yeah you know well we'll put that on the list and so then she i think went home and started watching it that night and started texting me and we've all anybody on this a lot of people from the facebook group we all start getting these texts from friends who start watching it and it's like oh my god christy this show you need to watch the show i need you to watch it because i need to talk about mm-hmm. it and so i was like okay and she's like oh my god this priest <laughs> and so even but season one she was already like into it so i i told alan my husband i was like well i guess we gotta get on this and so we probably watched it over three nights like first week of june and by <laughs> and then i started texting emma oh my god this show oh my god this priest and she's like girl and so it just went she was waiting for you she was waiting for it she was ready and i was like oh my god this haircut and she's like i look like a pencil like we just started trading lines <laughs> and then the whole week after that i was just like oh my god and then when you know the dinner scene and then he goes out and you know fuck you then whatever and so she's like, every scene, every scene is great. So it's then I kind of was like, okay, I'll, this will start to fade. And it hasn't. Nope. No. It, I think it's built, actually. Yeah. I think it's the opposite of fade. It's gotten it's more vibrant. intensified. Intensified. <laughs> we're writers. Yeah, we are. <laughs> believe it or not. Um, well, we're, it's our first podcast. Yeah, you're right. You know. Baby steps. When we're talking about Fleabag. So like our. I'm verklempt. Our energy levels are like peak. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how many times have you watched it? I have watched season one, I think, four times. Okay. And season two... Be honest. Safe space. Like 10 or 11? Sure. I mean, who's counting? Yes. My husband probably knows. Because he doesn't talk to me anymore because all I do is, play, is watch Lee back. Although I finally got him to start watching it with me. Oh, we, is he, we, he Oh, he loves it. Good. That's how I know that so I made the, marriage, the right choice. marriage can continue. We've been together 10 years, but this is this was really the well, cherry and, on top. <laughs> well, my husband was so funny because he was like, I can, uh, he goes, I loved it. I don't know that I want to watch it 15 more times. Um, I don't know what that means. Yeah. Um, no, I watched, I watched season one straight through twice. And then, and I think we all acknowledge, like every, season two is the one everybody's like, gaga over season one is also amazing the more i watch it the more the I'm more like, you appreciate oh, this is it just genius i keep saying it's like that meme where it's like if you don't love me in my fleabag season one you don't deserve me in my fleabag <laughs> season two <laughs> um so i've watched that one twice and then um probably start to finish season two maybe maybe 10 like you certain scenes certain we're, scenes. we're in like scores yeah yeah like in the certain youtube clip compilations compilations or just you know hitting that reverse 15 seconds over (laughs) and over you know certain scenes maybe just a few times maybe maybe close to 30 30. uh (laughs) but as we said we find something different each time yeah so i guess that could segue into what we're going to do here with this podcast so we realized that when you watch these episodes and you rewatch them you rewatch them there are new things you see we both are on the Facebook Fleabag group. Mm-hmm. Which highly recommend. Highly recommend. We It's the official group. It's like a BBC Three group. Um, lovely people on there. I It's like my new home. It's like literally, I said it's like 50% of my Facebook activities there. <laughs> the other 50 is on the Andrew Scott group. Chrissy's a rising star. I'm a rising star. Within the group. <laughs> Thank you. I'm just the, a lurker. <laughs> Thank you to the Facebook incentives team uh, for giving us these arbitrary badges. Um when you're but either, it makes you want to keep it up it kind of does first you're like new <laughs> member and then it's like visual storyteller that's my favorite oh, that's creative um yeah somebody designed those um 
So yes, I'm a fast rising star on the. But I I said it's almost like a support group because it's people who like us who are right. desperate to talk about it. Right. We keep seeing new people who join. They're like, I just watched it. No, none of my friends watch it. I need to talk about it. And it's I actually service. I now just call it like the group. Like it sounds like I'm in AA. Capital T, capital G. Yes. Um, and so, uh, what was my point in the group? Um, what was I just talking about? We're going to edit we this could, We could record. We're, we're rewind. Yeah. Um, Watching people coming teams. in. It's a support group. Yeah. So here's what we're going to do here. Because on the group, on the Facebook support group, we people will come in and say, hey, like, I was just rewatching the scene again. I'm actually still not quite sure what this means. Notice, like, do we think the godmother knows what's going on between the two of them? Like, mm-hmm. what do we think this means? Did you ever notice this detail? So we are literally going to watch... We're going to go through every episode, scene by scene, and just break it down, talk about ideas we have about it, things we've read about it. Theories. Theories. Trivia. Trivia. um, Just general raves about the performances and the people and the writing. Yeah, a lot of just high-pitched, like, oh, it's so cute. Um, I'm going to try to not just make this like Andrew Scott drool. I promise you that. When we get to season two. I'm maybe as obsessed with Phoebe Waller-Bridge as you are with Andrew Scott, so I feel like we'll have a good balance. There you go. And there will be some... some, I think we might just have to call her Phoebe, like we're friends. Oh, yeah. Or PWB. PWB. Like we're really friends. Yeah. Just P. (laughs) Just P. Uh, (laughs) No, so there maybe will be some gawking over her too. Yeah. Um, But we really do want this to be, kind, you know, I dare I say a thoughtful analysis of Fleabag, yes. but it really is because it's more than just like, you know, it's so easy to just say, Oh my God, it's amazing. But we really want to delve into why it is so yes. good and why, you know, I, people will ask like, how can you rewatch this so many times? And like, why would you do that? And I was telling Allie, I honestly, and this is not hyperbole. I really think it's a television work of art. Like it's a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. And that the way you would hang up a painting in your living room because you, it resonates with you and you want to look at it every day is kind of how I feel about Fleabag. And you see something new that gives your, gives your life meaning. <laughs> exactly. Every time. Well, and it really, there is something about her, I mean, it, I'm hardly the only person to say this. It just really resonated with me somehow. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm even kind of still trying to articulate exactly how maybe that's what the goal of this podcast will be. Mm-hmm. But, and it, it's funny because <laughs> it's hilarious because my mom died a few years ago. And I think people automatically assume that is what connects me to it. But honestly, that's, I mean, it's certainly a component, but that has never been like in the foreground of what draws me to her. And I think it's just, for me, like, I'm a huge nerd about Brene Brown. Have you read any Brene Brown? Yeah. And like vulnerability and yeah. power, you know, power vulnerability and shame. Yeah. Have you seen her Netflix special, mm-hmm. The Call to Courage? Mm-hmm. If anybody hasn't seen it and is a Fleabag fan, I really think it'll resonate because all of Brene Brown's work is about taking off the mask of who, you know, these, this armor that we put on to defend ourselves against imperfection Mm -hmm. and not reveal to people that we actually are terrified and we're vulnerable and we all have fears. Um, And so I feel, I think that to me is what really resonates with Fleabag. Radical honesty, radical empathy. Yeah. Go like, that's what it's about for me. And messy women. I love messy women. Like, that's what's, that's real life. Yeah. I think that's why a lot of people are caught up in it. Well, and I think, too, that with a feminist message, I think there's a, a sometimes a, um, 
tendency to portray like a feminist woman as like impervious to any mm. you know like really powerful and um, burning bras yeah and you know just completely confident in who they are yeah and so i love that she is showing that doubt of like i'm not perfect and actually i might not even be a good feminist right and that i think for all the someone on one of my facebook friends actually had a good um point that he said every character has good moments and bad moments on the show yeah every interaction is layered you can come at any interaction from a different angle and be like oh i understand now maybe why she reacted that way yeah and so which someone said makes it just innately human even martin gets you at the end yeah and I mean, come on that's saying something <laughs> exactly um well on that note maybe let's shift into talking about me going crazy <laughs> and going to london um <laughs> this was my um my my fleabag situation uh <laughs> reached fever pitch when um so the show came out in like june everybody started watching it so then um or actually into may in mid-may in uh, the u.s so then andrew scott in June started doing a play in London. He did present laughter at the old Vic and people on the group. Um, and I actually have to give a shout out to a woman named Julia Lister, who is in England, who she was one of the first people I saw post a picture with him and had gone to see the show and realized that he would come out the stage door and you could get a selfie with him. So I texted my friend Mindana uh, and was just like, Hey, wouldn't it be amazing if we were in London and could go see the show? This was like mid-July and, uh, like three weeks, like three weeks. Yeah. (laughs) Mid-July. And, um, I said, wouldn't it be amazing if we were in London? And she goes, well, let's go. And literally this was the chain of events. I turned to my husband and I went, she's crazy. We're going to fly eight hours for a five second interaction. That's dumb. And then literally like 14 hours later, I was like, so I'm going to fly out Thursday. (laughs) I arrived Friday. Because um, it just kind of stuck in my craw and I was like, you know what? Like, I'm 43 fucking years old. YOLO. <laughs> YOLO. And um, yeah, the, the a flight to England is very expensive um, when you're booking three weeks out. But um, yeah, I just had this like, and my husband was great. And he was just like, don't worry about us. Just go. And, um, and yeah, Chrissy has a child. I have a child <laughs> who I clearly don't put as a priority. Um <laughs> And I kind of texted her. I'm like, I actually just found a ticket on StubHub and I'm going to, and she's like, I'm going to get one through the theater and like, oh my God, we're we're doing this. Next thing we know, we were like, we had flights booked. And then it turns out another friend of ours had to go to London for work. And so she ended up getting a ticket. And these are two friends of mine from college. So I was like, even if disaster strikes and we don't meet Andrew Scott, we at least will have this fun trip to London. (laughs) We get there and so here's my heart attack. I had bought my ticket through StubHub. I had, it was for Saturday, August 3rd. That morning, I go to the theater, and there's all the chaos of, like, the ticket lottery. And I'm like, these suckers, I already have a ticket. And so I go up, and this guy, and I, I was like, oh, my last name's more. He's like, hmm, do you, is it an e-ticket? Do you have an e-ticket? And um, I said, no, I, it was through StubHub. And his face just was like, oh. Well, and it sounds very judgmental because he's British, He's too. British. <laughs> and, I mean, he was so, he was an awesome and um but he the, his face just was like and he goes that I, the words are in my head forever that word troubles me <laughs> and i was like oh and he goes it's legit in the u.s but not in the uk and he goes well, let me check and then he goes well your surname is on it but more is not the most unique name 
He's like, your surname's on it. Confirmation number matches, but there's the agency doesn't match. And let me call Dee Dee. Dee Dee, can you come down? Like, <laughs> I'm like, well, who's Dee Dee? What's she going to do? <laughs> she come, Everybody's so lovely. And I even looked. I'm like, am I? I flew here from Atlanta to see the show. And she was like, we'll figure this out. Luckily, it panned out. <laughs> I just like had a mild heart attack that I'd flown, you know, 3,000 miles or whatever. You could have never told us. For nothing. Yes, I would have lied. 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 I met him. We hung out. We had dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you sort of did. Well, uh, yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah, basically. Um, So anyway, so then my other two friends, I was supposed to go to the evening show with Mandana. My other friend had a ticket for the matinee. Mandana was just like, well, I'll just get in the queue, the returns queue, just to see what happens. Ends up getting a ticket is right next to our friend and then turns out the reason there were house seats like the seats that the theater holds on to in case like somebody shows up mm. the reason the seat opened up is because christian amanpour's friend decided not to come Rude. so not only is madonna like has this amazing seat she's sitting next to christian amanpour for the whole show my favorite story from that she said at one point like in, an, in the intermission some song was playing and that christian like turned and she was like is this depeche mode and Madonna's like, I think it's New Order. And then Madonna goes, let me Shazam it. And she goes, I said to renowned international journalist, Christian Amanpour, <laughs> let me Shazam that for you real quick. <laughs> um, so This podcast episode brought to you by Shazam. Brought to you by Shazam. <laughs> and so, so then um, I met them. I got, went, I got dressed for the evening show, met them, and we went. And Madonna comes out. She goes, he doesn't do stage door in the afternoon. I said, says who? Uh she goes, well, the, one of the women inside. I said, well, I've seen pictures on the group that he does. So we get in line. He has this bodyguard named Dan, who people on the Andrew Scott group will recognize. He has a, a very intimidating neck tattoo. Oh, he's terrifying. He's very muscular and will murder you in a moment. He's like, Phoebe Waller-Bridges, too. He is. He's, yeah. yeah. At the, um, he's the, a star. At the, right. So I was just like, this dude is not fucking around. But... So we get in the line and sure enough, he does. He comes out and Dan yells. He's like, um, he's only doing autographs. Um, you know, he only has time for autographs, but it's so orderly. Like, I feel like here in the U S it's just like this, like throng of people and here it's like, just get in the queue. And, and so I totally just got starstruck. And also I hadn't seen the show yet. So I had him sign my <laughs> ticket for that night, which I was like, Oh my God, did Andrew Scott just invalidate my ticket for the show? <laughs> After all that. <laughs> and so, but I, I literally had that moment where I'm like, Oh, You've been on my screen for eight weeks, or however, and now you are here. You were in my head. You were in my head, and, and now, now you're, you're here. here. <laughs> First li- of many shout outs, people. It was literally like that. And so, <laughs> this is the most embarrassing part. He went to reach for my ticket to sign it. I thought we were shaking hands. <laughs> so, I put my hand out to start shaking it. Very soft hands. <laughs> love i remember he gets manicured very clearly but then i literally because dayan is right there with the neck tattoo that i literally was like am i allowed to touch him <laughs> and like and then i'm also like i just flew internationally i don't want to like get andrew scott sick oh, i literally and so then i start pulling my hand away so we did this weird like finger tap <laughs> and like we're exchanging like pixie dust or whatever <laughs> <laughs> and so then he signs and he's like, all right, thank you. you know, <laughs> like, please leave. Bye. Bye. And so then Madonna got hers. And now we're just walking like in this daze. And all, all you can do is rethink what you should have said until we finally had to like acknowledge. Here's the thing. There's no scenario where we say something. He goes, oh, my God, that was perfect. Would you like you are perfect. You are perfect. Would you join me for dinner tonight? <laughs> you know, so <laughs> we go and we barely eat like tapas because we're still like amped up. 
So now Madonna and I go back to the evening show because that was her original ticket. The show's amazing. So they're doing, I'm sure everybody knows this, they're doing um, the NT Live screenings of it. First in the UK and then it's coming to the US in January. So we need yes. tickets for that. Highly recommend it because he... Oh, we're going. Phenomenal. We're, it's booked. And I really think they might... I don't know if they'll... I would love to see them bring it over for like a limited run on Broadway. <gasps> Yeah. Just to like get him a Tony nomination or something. Yeah. He's got an EGOT someday. Oh my God. Anyway. Um, so we go, we go to the show and then I see, I can see Madonna from her seat and she's like, let's get down there. So we get to the stage door and now he is going to do pictures. And, and now we're more amped up. Like I've seen the show. I'm jazzed up. I'm like, this is really, I'm going to nail it. And, um, but <laughs> again, take two. All we did was like, I just said, this is so exciting. We flew here from America just to see the show. And um, he was like, yeah, you and a million other people. (laughs) And he goes, I said it was amazing. And he's like, oh, I'm so glad it was worth the trip. And then took the picture. And then he grabs the phone, which is the best part. He touched your phone. (laughs) Yeah, my phone is filthy because I will not (laughs) clean it. Um, Well, and actually, I wanted to have it all ready. I didn't want to be that person who's like, oh, wait, it's set on panorama or whatever. And so... I was like, he goes, oh, I think it got messed up. And I said, oh, and I grabbed it. And I was like, I was like, I knew I would screw this up. And he goes, oh, you're fine. You're fine. Best laid plans. So sweet. So what um, a guy. Yeah. So I'll, I'll post those pictures on the, um, on the website and um, on the Instagram, on the Instagram. Yeah. So we're going to get to all of our social and um, shout outs, but fleabagpodcast.com is where we will have our episode guide, all the links to where you can email us send us a voicemail, follow us on social. And then I will also post uh, those pictures because I know everybody's racing to see them. Yes. Yeah, like, um, you know, you don't have anybody to talk to about this. You have us now. I know. Call us <laughs> and we'll, li- we'll listen, do you? I know. Oh, so I didn't even finish the story. So then we have our interaction, you know, so then we get our autograph mm. and our picture, uh, get our picture. We decide to just go to the bar at the old, vi- which after 10 o'clock, it's like open to the public. But we could have gone anyway because we had tickets. So we're like, let's just grab a quick drink here. By now it's like 11.15. We're starving. And we're like, let's just grab a quick drink. And then there's a pizza place right nearby. We're going to go there. So as we're sitting there, I just, and it's small. It maybe has like eight tables. And so I just jokingly was like, oh, I'm sure this is where he comes after the show, right? The bar at the theater. (laughs) He doesn't have like a private spot he goes to. (laughs) And so as we're talking, my friend Beck, like, is looking at the stairs and she was like, uh, sorry to interrupt, but somebody is arriving. Oh, and yeah, he's like bounding up the stairs and, and has friends with him. And so now we're just like, we are never leaving this bar no. until they are kicking us out, which is actually what happened. They closed around, <laughs> they closed around one because Beck was like, Two hours later. she's like, that pizza place is about to close. We're like, we are just eating ice for dinner <laughs> because we are not leaving. Um, so anyway, so it was just fun to like, be in the vicinity yeah. we didn't we didn't want to go over and talk to him because we're like he's with his friends now. This is you different. have standards <laughs> yeah uh, you know we're cool andrew um <laughs> we're cool obsessed fans that flew super cool over the pond um across the pond <laughs> exactly Oops. So, but it was someone was joking that he was like the fox like he was following oh us everywhere god. we went we're like oh my god he's actually that's really here. it and it was funny because i did i confess i took one of those like sneaky selfie you know like oh look he's in the background <laughs> And, um, and I sent it to a friend and she was like, if the next picture's through a window, I'm calling the police. <laughs> like, this is getting out of hand. These are the warning signs. But it was all in public. It was totally legit and fine. Um, so that was the Andrew Scott madness. You had, you, you got 
everything you wanted and we did more. and you more. had three separate being in his vicinity yes. experiences yes. and actually four because you saw him in a play sure that i was, was in a building a i was in the same building with him <laughs> yeah uh, oh, and Ian McKellen was at the show, oh, right. which is also kind of yeah. fun. Because in the Just morning, I had said to the box office guy, I'm like, you guys are like nuts here. Or, like, you're like the most popular people in town. He's like, well, Ian McKellen's coming tonight, oh, so everything's yeah. crazy. So, um, yeah. Big night. Uh, anyway. All right. So let's, um, we could shift into like some stuff that is happening. Like Fleabag is over. Yeah. But a lot of stuff is happening. Yeah. Including, we are recording this today on the day that they announced that Phoebe Waller-Bridge is hosting Saturday Night Live. October 5th, musical guest Taylor Swift, which it's going to be nuts. Pretty fantastic. I'm excited because I hope all those Taylor Swift girls yes. realize that they should be watching Fleabag if they haven't already. Um, and, and Taylor Swift even like posts on Instagram like, oh, my God, I love Phoebe. This is amazing. Amazing. Um, so, yeah, we got that coming up. The Fleabag stage show is happening in London right yes, now. those lucky people over there. Those are the new pictures that are I getting know, posted. And I love her outfit. Oh my god, her so outfits Parisian. are so. <laughs> She's just yeah, she everything's adorable. <laughs> she looks so happy. She looks so She's genuinely so exciting yeah. to pe- see people. Um, and mm. then the U.S. screenings of so that's going to be live in the U.K. on MT Live on September twelfth. And then the recorded version was going to be in, is going to be in the U.S. in November. Yes. I think we already we have, have tickets. tickets to we that. have tickets for that. Yes, they're releasing a book. We Fleabag's also pre-ordered the scriptures that. pre-ordered that includes all the TV scripts with stage direction. I would like to point out that in the notes for this, it's parentheses with stage direction exclamation point. I'm very excited about the stage <laughs> direction because well, I, I no, think that's important. Yeah, so we're gonna have to do an episode when that that for comes sure. out and we combed through. Don't that. worry, everybody. <laughs> yeah, you'll get that subscribe now and Don't we, rest it. assured and then um yeah and, and it's also gonna have like production notes from her that's coming out november 5th but you can pre-order it now on amazon mm-hmm. in the u.s and some other well we pre-ordered it from like a british yeah we did bookstore we're cool yeah and we s- paid a lot of shipping yeah <laughs> we split the shipping it's fine we did actually yeah <laughs> um i actually ordered a um program for present laughter mm. through ebay because oh, they were only one. they were only taking cash at the theater and i did not have cash and um and so i were on ebay and then the shipping for some reason on ebay was like 16 pounds and i for some <laughs> because but, but i'm she still because did of it. the flea bag situation i was like oh give it to me and even the seller was like this is really like <laughs> e- ebay sent this price i didn't do this and so yeah he was like this is kind of insane so he was so sweet because I was like, oh, you know, I explained why I was getting the program. I'd come see the show because he goes, oh, the show's amazing. I'm like, I know because I came uh, to see it's it. my new religion. Exactly. So. And so uh, he took $10, 10 pounds off oh, just for. Yeah. Really sweet. That's lovely. Um, oh, I, the part of the story I forgot to tell was Yo. my Lyft driver on the way to the oh, airport yeah. in Atlanta. He was like, oh, you know, why are you, where are you going? I'm like, London. Oh, how long are you going to be there? Two days. Because <laughs> I'm, at, you know, psychotic. How people do. And 48 hours. And uh, he goes, oh, what for? I'm like, well, and uh, part of me is like, do I engage? You know, it's almost like, don't ask, you know. Yeah. And uh, and so I was like, well, I'm going to see this play that this actor is in that my friends and I like. Oh, who is he? Andrew Scott. Hmm, that sounds familiar. And this dude, I should just give back. He had very strong opinions about the end of Avengers Endgame. Oh, God. And like plot holes that Captain America should have done something different. <laughs> like he was very vehement about this. Okay. And I'm like, can we just get to the airport? 
but but then before that he had gone he's like andrew scott he goes so i i mean i live on imdb i love movies and uh clear yeah and so then i said oh and then uh he goes what's he been in and so i was like well um i went for the big one i was like sherlock did you watch the bbc sherlock no uh he was in the last james bond movie specter nope uh i'm like he's on this show fleabag i'm like i'll go for it he's on this show fleabag Uh uh-uh do you let me see a picture of him and so you're driving well we're at it we were at a stoplight (laughs) so he goes let me see a picture of him do you have a picture of him on your phone (laughs) yeah um, let me uh-huh. dig one up. And so I did have to Google it. I don't want to just have pictures of him on my phone. I uh, sort of actually was like, oh, she just has an album. Okay. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. I'm very open-minded. My son is not my wallpaper. It's <laughs> and so, uh, so I show him a picture. This dude goes, oh, was he in John Adams? And I was like, uh, yeah, actually he was. Like a 15 years, years ago. ago. <laughs> he was in like two episodes, in like, like five scenes. And he looks and he goes, oh, yeah. Um, he like wanted to marry John Adams' daughter, and he wouldn't. He didn't want to let him. And like, yeah, he was just so vulnerable. And like, he was great. I was like, you are either full of bullshit, or, or but that's actually completely accurate. Got an eye for faces. Yeah. So he and I went got to England together, and we're married now. Oh. Uh, <laughs> did you tell Alan? Or it's uh, we're married in England. Oh, oh so, so it doesn't. It's different. Yeah. yeah so I'm actually I'm going back there in a couple that's a weeks. Thing. Alan thinks it's to see Phoebe, but it's to see Eric, the Lyft driver. <laughs> um. Okay, then Andrew Scott is announced is in the new HBO mm. BBC series His Dark Materials. Yes, everybody's which, very excited about that. Super excited. I have not read the books. Have you? I haven't either, but I have friends that are obsessed with it. Obsessed. And I'm pretty sure I would be too if I got into Morgan, it, but I'm really gonna. busy watching Fleabag for the 15th <laughs> time. So, have you seen that meme? I think I posted it on the group of it's the Drake meme where he's like, "Oh you yeah." Know, no, and then like, "Yes," and it's like, "Watching a new show." No. <laughs> Watching Fleabag for the sixth time. Yeah. <laughs> um, Only the sixth. Yeah. No, I've heard people are crazy about the books and are very excited about, specifically about his casting oh, in good. this role. So everybody Great. who watch, who knows that is like cringing because they're like, you're not even talking about the best I know, stuff. I'm sorry, guys. Sorry. And then um, Sean Clifford is in a new... I, I, now I should have done my research. If it's a movie, TV movie, series... Uh, the who wants to be who wants to be a millionaire scandal in the UK? Mm. It's called Quiz, and I was looking this up because I don't think we know the story very well no, over here. I don't really know what you're talking about. He apparently was this guy. It was a couple, but the guy was a contestant, and they had an accomplice in the audience, <sighs> and he would read all the answers to out like to himself, and the guy would cough when it was the right answer. Get out! Yeah, when this like was, in the nineties in the yeah, heyday. Yeah, I'll have you know that twelve-year-old Allie walked around in a is that your final answer t-shirt for like the majority of 1998 <laughs> actually that's not the math doesn't add up there but you get the point no i get it yeah i just my my esteem for you just went up thank greatly. you I'll, i can get you pictures it's all i wore so that show was that was killer when that came out everybody's like well, what the hell is this like <laughs> yeah. i'm in and the oh my god the lights okay <laughs> it was kind of it was kind of the flea bag of its day no <laughs> The flea bag of game shows. If it was a game show. Them. Yeah, and it just had that vulnerability and humanity <laughs> to it. Uh. <laughs> well, you know what? What I Here, let's bring it back to Fleabag. Oh, should Speaking we? Of, no. <laughs> Speaking okay. of vulnerability. Yes. I did want to mention, we, yeah. were, we were talking earlier about, you know, why this really resonated with us. Yeah. So what I really love about Fleabag and Phoebe Waller-Bridge is how, like you said, Brene Brown style, vulnerable. But also she injects it with humor so that it's like you can 
you can do it. Mm-hmm. It's you're not depressed by the end of it. You're just emotional. Right. You felt your feelings, which I think is hard to do. Mm. And she said about her one woman show on some podcast because I listened to all of them. <laughs> she said when people are actually laughing, they open their sternum and they open their mouth and they go ha 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 right at you. And it feels like people make themselves so vulnerable when they're laughing. And I, she just opens people up to be punched in the heart. (laughs) And I think that's why the show resonates because we all have to deal with these issues, but you may as well make them funny. Mm -hmm. But I don't think her humor discounts that. I think it, it shows you, it, it actually like enhances it. And I think that's, there's something magical about that. Yeah. I just saw, um, YouTube suggested a, a clip to me that was Andrew Scott on a on the BBC One show, mm. and he had Jimmy Jimmy Carr was the other guest. Do you oh, know him? yeah, He's I saw that one. And because I've seen all of them. And his thing about <laughs> um, that the shortest distance between two people is laughter. Yeah. And so I think there's that too. That like if she can make us by making you laugh, you're immediately now open to whatever she has to tell you. Yes. And then yeah, when it's something really serious and profound, and like you said, punches you in the heart. Um, you're it's like wow I'm already in so right. may as well just watch it 16 more times <laughs> exactly all right so we're gonna start with season one yeah. like I said um, and one thing even though we are starting with season one we, this is geared for people who have seen the entire show oh spoilers certainly by all this time place. if you haven't watched the full <laughs> two seasons you're like well I'm out of this intro because I don't know what this they're talking about <laughs> so yeah we um, you know we're gonna go through Season one first, then season two, but we will refer to things from season two. Yes. Because I think that's what was interesting for me when I rewatched season one of like, oh, there's some themes here the that themes. that have connected into season two. Yes. So, um, Lots yeah. Lots to interpret. Exactly. Um, the other thing I was going to mention with us being American, mm. we will apologize in advance to our British listeners mm. because... There were things that we did not get because of the references. We might still not get some of them. We might actually be asking you to email us, us or call. Voicemail. Send us a voicemail on the website, fleabagpodcast.com. If um, if we are misinterpreting something or not Please. getting the joke, we will make that known. For example, um, it will be very embarrassing when we get to this episode about what we thought tooting meant. That took me a while. Yeah. So we'll get to that in season two. Yes. So the way we were saying, like we kind of summarize this podcast is like the show's over, but our love for it goes on and now we need somewhere to put it. We do. Right. And we're going to, you know, we got together, we watched it, we talked the whole time. Yeah. And we're just going to do that for you now. <laughs> exactly. And we want to hear from you too. So we've got email at the situation at gmail.com. Our website is fleabagpodcast.com. Like I said, you can leave us a voicemail through the website and this can be like we said ask us a question tell us your theory tell us something we got totally wrong quote your favorite line you can even if you just need to gush about the show we're here for you because we did also did not talk about the experience of a friend who did not like Fleabag. <sighs> yeah i just took a deep breath yeah so we've seen some of that on the group too where it's like i so and of course i'm setting people's expectations very high now when i recommend it you told me and it was be- the best six episodes of television you've ever seen ever seen and i mean i agree so you got lucky on that and i've watched a lot of television yeah exactly so but then so when i tell people and also when they know i have started a podcast i'm shopping guitar center to buy equipment and they're like okay so i should watch this show because you seem really into it 
um either you're batshit crazy or this show's really good and or i think like both are true a little, 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 little both but somebody a couple people whose uh, again taste i really trust like i just didn't really it didn't grab me and we'll talk a little bit about that when we start getting into episode one mm. but it's like it didn't really grab me i don't know i just and then i'm kind of i've gotten to a point where i'll be like just jump to two just get to season yeah. two but you'll really love it if you just and also like seth myers was saying like the fact that you can just say it's 12 half hours yeah this is not a huge commitment just give it a give it a shot. Anyway, if you are in a position where your friends don't understand you, I think also because it resonates so personally with me and I feel like it just reflects me so much that if someone doesn't like it, I'm like, well, then you don't like me. Right. Like it's a personal thing. It's very personal. Like, um, oh, we have totally different worldviews. Exactly. That's what it feels like. You are delegitimizing me as a human. Wow. That, yeah. That's what I should have. That's, that's my t-shirt. <laughs> Though, so we'll also be starting a Facebook group. Um which is just search the Fleabag situation and you'll find it. Yes. And then we're on Instagram, Fleabag Situation Podcast. Hard to get a consistent name, by the way, on all these different platforms. You do what you got to do. And then Twitter is just Fleabag Podcast, at Fleabag Podcast. And then uh, wherever you're listening to this, you can also just hit subscribe, um, which means you won't miss an episode uh, whenever we start publishing future ones. And then if you like what you're hearing or you like what you hear, please leave us a review. Please. Because... Um, we love hearing nice things and also it helps other people find us and I think it kind of helps us in the podcast app it's a service to the world exactly you're helping other people right find us and share in this experience with us okay so we are going to take a quick break Mm. and when we come back we're going to start talking about episode one let's get into it all right Allie believe it or not we haven't even debuted yet we already have a sponsor what yeah do you have a mortgage? Yeah. Is it a sexy mortgage? No, it's the opposite of that. Oh, well, have I got news for you? We actually, <gasps> our sponsor today is Sexy Mortgages. What? So let's take a second to hear from them. Great. Is it time to feel more adult? Looking for the rock-hard security of a long-term investment? Ready to learn the ins and outs and ins and outs of buying real estate? Sounds like you need a mortgage. Ooh, that's right. Today's mortgages are sexier than ever. Whether you're a hot blonde or busty brunette, you can take advantage of our lower, lower, lower interest rates and get yourself into escrow. Escrow. What's escrow? I don't know, but I like the sound of it. Talk to your banker today about a sexy mortgage. Look for our ad in this week's paper and get half off with promo code FEMINIST. You're going to need it. And we're back. It was a great sponsor. Amazing. Yeah. Totally real. I I mean, I got to get a new mortgage. <laughs> so I will get to the reference for that as we start talking about this episode. Um, everybody knows it already. All right. So we are going to talk about season one, episode one, which like all the other ones are just called the episode. So it's just episode one, um, obviously written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. This is the only episode of the series directed by Tim Kirkby as the credited director. And then it has a credit for additional scenes directed by Harry Bradbeer, who then continues to direct the whole rest of the series. First scene, she's we're, we just see the door. We hear heavy breathing. 
Um, which I think my first thought when I looked at this, she obviously changed apartments in season two. Yes. Cause, um, which makes sense cause the cafe was doing better. And, yeah. Harry. Um, but it, so it starts with this heavy breathing. We kind of don't know what's happening. We don't know if this is like dangerous or what's Lots a, of suspense. Lots of, a lot of suspense. Suspense. <laughs> suspense. Lot, it, you were so more. Lots of suspense. Um, and so then this is where we get the first look to camera and her whole, you know, that feeling mm. speech. And, which is also funny that she has underwear under the trench coat, which we know later is her go-to move. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, yeah. Yeah. I love that because she's immediately, you're like in there with her. She's chatting with you. Like you're her friend. And so you have to respond. I was like, yeah. Oh yeah, I do know that feeling. I mean, I don't, I don't actually know that feeling, but like <laughs> I could know that feeling. Yeah. Um, and I think it's so effective that she puts us in her shoes. She also immediately from the get go, is tuning out from her own life by looking at the camera. So it tells you what the show's going to be like, but then it also, she's distancing herself from her life. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I I enjoyed that. Well, and I think that, and I've heard some other people say this, there's that kind of moment where I'm like, oh, it's this gimmick of talking to the camera and we've seen this before. Mm, It's risky. And it's risky and it's kind of like the mockumentary thing and it can be a crutch, like instead of, almost like show don't tell like just show right. the scene instead of just telling me about it but this is what as we find out as we watch the show the, like you said it's it's really a device for her relationship with other people with herself with, with what we find out later is boo and um that it has a deeper meaning it actually has a meaning rather right. than just oh it'd be kind of quirky and funny to talk to the camera right how do you what do you think she actually looks like i th- i think when she's looking at us mm-hmm. what, what they see is just kind of her she gets like dead eyes yeah i think it's kind of like what the priest notices yeah like you know just... when he's like you just kind of disappear like and we've all kind of seen somebody like it's obvious when you're talking to them that they are not yep. hearing you so i think it's just that and even if she actually is physically turning away from somebody that they would notice that well or they don't that's what's right. really interesting is that he's the first person to actually notice I it i know but maybe subtly along the way people just know that she is not present mm-hmm. um, and she doesn't let anybody get very close anyway so right um, moving on from the first five seconds yeah i mean this is like already you're kind of <laughs> like in it so then we get our first look at our soul guy mm-hmm. um who is objectively hot no, like they did good there are some debates later that we will have where people are like is andrew scott actually hot We'll save that for a later day. But objectively, Ben Aldridge is a, a good-looking guy. Straight up 10. And um, he's actually on the new Pennyworth show. He's playing um, Thomas Wayne, Batman's father. And apparently he's good friends with Andrew Scott, who has um, gave him, given him the nickname Bat Daddy. So there's like one. hashtag Bat Daddy. <laughs> so then we kind of go into this, you know, she's like some traditional bouncing. Um <laughs> Is that what she said? Some, yeah, standard bouncing. Some or standard something. bouncing. Doesn't look like she's really enjoying herself at all. Right, exactly. Well, and, and the fact that she's right. talking to us. Right. And now this is an interesting point because um, I hope so. <laughs> no, because she has brought out that a lot of people say, "Oh my god, that show has so much nudity," mm. and she's like, "There's actually zero nudity in mm-hmm. the show." I think the closest you get is the woman at the end of this episode at the bus stop whose boob is hanging out. Oh, you're right. And even then, you don't That's really like see a the bulge. whole thing. Yes, you don't really see the whole thing, but. Yeah, there's actually no nudity. There's yeah. zero Phoebe nudity. Like, no, none. But I think she said the reason you think there is is because of the sex scenes where she's actually looking at you. 
that there's this weird intimacy. It's so intimate. That it kind of makes you uncomfortable. And you just, you, it, it's actually like, it's kind of naked in that you're, you're seeing into her mm-hmm. psyche. Like we're not allowed in there. Exactly. Um, which of course comes out later when she's actually with the priest, but um, we'll try not to just make everything about season two. Um, TBD. We'll see. But um, so yeah. And then when she talks about you starts edging towards your asshole. <laughs> now we are literally less than two minutes and we're already at <laughs> anal sex. So I feel like this is a litmus test for, like I said, whether you're in or out, so to speak <laughs> with the show. So I feel like when I recommend the show to people, I kind of give that warning up front that it's like it's not i wouldn't say graphic sexually but like very frank yes and how it talks about it yes and i feel like at that point if you're turned off by that you're probably just out for the show right which is a little bit of a shame because season two does not have that right and so i almost feel like when i recommend black mirror to people (laughs) and they come back and they're like is that a show about people who fuck pigs and you're like no that's just the first episode. Just please skip the first one. Um, so, like I said, I think it sets the tone for sure of like what this is going to be. By the way, we will be swearing. In oh, this. this is E. So just like a I mean, if you're talking about Fleabag, heads up. Oh, yeah, I guess that sort you of can't goes not saying. fucking swear. So then he talks about how I've actually never managed to up the bum, and she said, "Well, to be fair, he does have a large penis." <laughs> and then. At the end, when you know what she said, he gives this genuine, earnest, genuinely earnest it's thank moving. you. Yeah. It's moving. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost moving. Which it's funny, too, that she said it's almost because, like, there's no emotion in this no. at all. And we can already see that he's kind of no good for her. He's just like, like, that was his connection with her. Yes. <laughs> and then I actually, did you see the thread on the Facebook group about whether he might actually be gay or bi? Oh, because the they said the fact that he stuff. he likes that, and then he talks about how small her boobs are, and then the line at the end when he at the sex exhibition, when he sees all the penises, and he goes, "My mouth is watering." Oh my god! So there's some question Connect about he's at least dots. you know um, there's something there anyway, but we're already seeing that it, she's using like that. This is obviously not an emotional connection. No, like you said, transaction. Yeah. Um, and then we cut to her, you know, she's cut to her at the cafe wondering, but you spend the rest of the day wondering, do I have a massive asshole? Which is not a crazy question. No. And also to me, this is like, again, almost like the, the premise for the show, <laughs> like if, cause this is the cut into the opening. And again, it's like another litmus test is like, if you think that line is hilarious, you're, you're on board. If you think it's disgusting, then this isn't for you. Bye. Yeah. I thought it was honestly <laughs> I hilarious. thought it was amazing. And I love because it gave my husband and I both is like huge laugh, and then immediately into that random opening title. And I think you had the best description of it, where it was just like, "This is chaos." Oh, chaos! Boom, go. Yeah, it's just like because well, it's you know it's like jazz. It's just so quick, <laughs> and the fact that it's cut so quickly, and we get into this later, like with the editing, that because you're so used again, you're used to like an opening, whatever, and to have it. it I said it was almost like it was like legally required, mm-hmm. like we had to have an opening title card. Here, there you go. Yeah, here it is. And like you said, it was just like an afterthought. But yeah. obviously it wasn't But, you know, her life but is chaos. Yeah, it just really, again, set the tone for like anything's possible here. Yes. Um, so now this is where we get into, this is a quick shot of the newspaper she's reading. Which, as a side note, I think the fact that she's reading a newspaper is interesting. And so is Bus Roden, who we're yeah. soon to meet. Because we've talked about this, that season two is actually the only technology you really see is her Googling do priests have sex? sex. 
But there's nobody uses phones in no, season two. You're right. Season one, she does. She gets a text from Bus Road and she mm-hmm. like there's a little like bit of text. Yeah. But really in general, the show's very timeless. True. Because there's no there's no as far as tech. Tech yeah. and also no reference to current events. Yeah. No jokes that rely on politics or anything. It's like, which I think is another Classic. thing that resonates. It just yeah. is really focused on just the emotions and the characters. Yeah. But so she's looking at this newspaper and you get a quick shot. And if you look at the headlines, one of them is, has the word feminism become dirty? Uh, bank chiefs face House of Commons inquiry, which seems foreshadowing. foreshadowing to the scene with the bank manager. But then there's an ad in the bottom left corner that says, thinking of getting a mortgage? And there's a picture of a naked woman on a bed. And when you freeze frame it, she's actually masturbating. <laughs> I actually didn't see yeah. that. Um, or she at least has her hand down there. It's happening. And so this is funny because Phoebe Waller-Bridge has talked about that in her 20s, she just really was struggling with like body image and the, the media projection of women's bodies. And that she said you would see like women objectified in ads for like mortgages, like things that have nothing to do with sex. So the fact that she... <laughs> put that in there Amazing. is hilarious and, and they it's are our sponsor they are our sponsor so we are thankful to sexy mortgages Thank for God. making um the first episode of the fleabag situation possible and really inappropriate yeah <laughs> i've never felt sexier about uh, paying <laughs> my mortgage okay so now we're on the bus and look over and we see bus road for the first time first time we just see a little smile and we're like oh he's kind of cute nice then, eyes nice eyes then he smiles big and um, what's funny is this actor's name, I'm hoping pronouncing it right, is Jamie Demetrio. Is that how you would That's say that? That's what I would do. Um, those are not his real teeth. There was an article. Um, also, I was wondering about that. Yeah. And there was an interview with him where he said, what's hilarious is everyone who recognizes him demands to see his teeth. God, what a question. Yeah. And, um, it's a weird life. But they're not real. But you said he was in. I did. I enjoyed. So, connection. Right? <laughs> so themes, guys. So we all know. Andrew Scott is crazy Moriarty. What? No. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, but did you know that Jamie Demetrio voiced Moriarty opposite Johnny Depp's Sherlock in the animated feature film Sherlock Gnomes? That writes itself. <laughs> Sherlock Gnomes. I actually remember that very. I do not. I remember the I movie. I missed that. When yeah. was that? It was a few years ago. Anyway, I just enjoyed that. And yeah. what I when I saw Bus Road in in, you know, the flesh for the first time in the tooth. In the in the tooth. It's really the majority. I I sometimes when I see people that are like a little interesting, I try I just sort of immediately think of what they would look like as children, and I couldn't I got a I drew a blank with that oh, one. See, I just That's picture, never happened. Actually. I just picture a baby with those teeth. Full <laughs> I size. mean yeah. Yeah. It is and just her kind of reaction at it. And um And so she it, kept going. She kept going for him. Yeah. And that is such a good way to show you like she does not care. Well she right, she just wants she the is attention. In it for the dr- the thrill. Yeah. And and I have a theory too when we get later when they have their date, but um you know, I think it's funny when she turns to the camera, you know, because she's smiling and then she goes, I hate myself. I feel like that's kind of the um, the season one version of this is a love story. Yes. It's like it's kind of like a statement of purpose for the show of yeah. like this. I'm presenting this outward image to the world, but I actually I hate myself. If we were studying this in like English lit. Seriously. Like, this is the, the thesis. Yeah. And it's funny because I've heard Phoebe talk about that talking to the camera in some ways is a performance to us of like. I have everything together. I'm like, 
Mm. But then sometimes it's also she's performing to the world and kind of telling us the truth. Yeah. But then she said, you know, that's kind of the heartbreak of the end is she kind of looks at us like I've been lying to you, too. Mm -hmm. So um, there's just a lot there about outer persona versus who she really is. Mm -hmm. Everybody's been like, you're not going to. Well, I'm not going to. Most people aren't going to be like straight up rude. But also, you know, you're. I just, everybody knows that feeling of mm-hmm. when you're like chatting with someone and you're like, what, why is this happening to me? When is this going to be over? And you're right. just, but you're like super pleasant and enthusiastic. And yeah. I, she's just so brilliant at showing that. Yeah. It was incredible. Cause it's a combination of like, well, I don't want to be rude, right. which I think, excuse me, it's a combination of, I don't want to be rude, which I think is a female thing. Oh, for sure. hundred percent. And I mean, I've read books about like safety where like there are so many women who get attacked because they don't want to appear rude to the person they're talking to, the man they're talking to. And yeah, and I think in this case, it's like she wouldn't be rude, but also she just wants the attention. Yeah. That's all. That's the only human connection I think she's comfortable with. Just the only thing she knows how to go for. Exactly. What's also funny is he asks her, you going to work? And she goes, well, actually, and she starts talking and he just cuts her off. Yeah. No. Which... Again, fa- foreshadowing to the season two, I think that's such a moment when he asked her, what do you do? And he's genuinely interested in the answer. Oh, my God. I didn't even see yeah. that theme. And so in here, he's just asked. And then it kind of will tie in later, like you were saying with the bank manager, where he offers her water and she says yes, and he doesn't get her any. Yeah. So it's just like, and I think, again, women can relate to this feeling of, I mean, everybody can on some level, but I think women maybe are heightened to it. Yes. Of the idea of like, I need something. But it's like, well, I don't, I don't like, want to oh, trouble you. Don't go out of your way. Yeah. So, or nobody's actually interested in my answer. Right. So, yeah, he cuts her off and then asks her out. And, you know, I think I need to get your number. Um, and in a way, is actually kind of charming. Yeah, that was pretty cute. You know, and you're kind of like, okay, he's. Oh, know. if he was like without the teeth, this would have been like a dream. <laughs> <laughs> right. So then he asks, you know, it. it she starts to hesitate and he's like, Oh, you've got a boyfriend. And then now we get the kind of introduction to who Harry was. Mm. And then it's funny when she says, we just broke up and he's like, I'm, what did he say? I'm so sorry. Slash really pleased. Uh, he cute. delivers that so beautifully, but yeah, so now we get this flashback to Harry and, oh, Harry. <laughs> and now here I said, is another litmus test where she's in bed watching Barack Obama on her laptop and then starts masturbating. To and who bed. among us, who among us has not? Like, a com- I, this to me is a comedic. T- I feel like this, again, is like a snapshot of the series. Yeah. And like another turning point where it's like, okay, if you don't appreciate the humor of this moment, again, you're not in. But I thought it was so brilliant. And um, so <laughs> especially watching it now <laughs> in the in the uh, political climate we're in. Oh, because there is a little bit of that like, oh, remember right. that our wonderful ex. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> So the idea that she's masturbating Barack Obama is phenomenal. And then when he asks her, what was he talking about? <laughs> and you said, you just, a rock. A rock. <laughs> um, I died. Oh, God, I died. Hilarious. And what was funny is that that could be a li- like, yeah. she had like a 50-50 shot. Yeah, of but that he being... knew what the answer was. He, he did. He, he, yeah. That's the other thing. Like you said, a lot of, like, we both know something's true, but we're not going to say it. Oh, exactly. So he knew she didn't, lip. you know, but- also funny the way he's like, please don't stop me leaving. No, seriously, don't. Like, she's, like he's yeah. playing through this, like going through the motions. Exactly. Of this is what a breakup's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and so that actor's name is Hugh Skinner. I hadn't seen him before. I hadn't either. I'm sure he, he looks yeah. like he's going to cry at every minute. <laughs> he's 
my friend Emma calls him um, Harry, the man who takes on all of his girlfriend's emotions. Oh my God, he does. Um, yeah, he's a great he's through line on the on the show. And I think also a nice setup for like what a normal, nice person would be for her. And like, I think you were saying like on paper. Yes. Perfect. Great. Great check, guy. Check, check, And she even, you know, when she starts telling him, telling Bus Rodent, he's, he's kind and thoughtful, like going through all these things. That you're like, yeah, why doesn't she want to be with him? Right. But there's just something missing there. Yeah. And we f- find out there's a little something missing with her. Yeah. You know? Well, and he's a little bit of a dick. <laughs> Maybe a little there. <laughs> um, or just not quite. He's also not on her level. Right, right. He's not really appreciating They're not her. on the island together. <laughs> exactly. And I thought what was interesting is when you watch it on the second viewing, is him saying, I really tried to be with you through mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the first allusion to something being off, mm-hmm. but we obviously don't know what that is yet. Um, I also hadn't caught this till the second viewing and actually I watched the second time with the captions on. So American Smart. of me. Oh my God. Um, Cause those accents are just hard to understand. Uh, <laughs> okay, you put on an accent, you put on an American, I accent. put on an extra American <laughs> accent. No, he goes, he turns, comes back and he goes, I'm taking that posh shampoo, <laughs> so which is also the allusion to Harry being a little feminine. Oh, for sure. <laughs> so is awesome. Oh my God. So that made me laugh. And then when he turns back and he goes, he was talking about Demac and we get the first jump. He was talking about Demac. Um, Genius. And so this is like that one of the first jump cuts, which also becomes kind of a hallmark of the show. And the editor's name is Gary Dolliner, who Phoebe Waller-Bridge has said is basically like another writer for the show yeah. with the way he times the edit. And he's nominated. Oh, we didn't even mention the Emmys. Oh. That they're, <laughs> they're nominated for a ton of Emmys, for 11 Emmys. 11. Um, and one of them is for editing, um, yeah, which I really so hope well he done. wins because it's so phenomenal. He got yeah. nominated for episode one of season two. And because um, that, I mean, we'll get there, but we'll get there. Wow. But it's great. And there's a great IndieWire interview mm-hmm. with him and Phoebe and Harry Bradbeer about that first episode. Oh, yeah. Where they really break down how they shot it and edited it. And it's genius. Fantastic. And but, I, I also enjoy that in the last episode. Yeah. Of season two. There's a little wink. There's a little call. A little wink. Because the bus stop board says Dalner Ave. Yeah. And he's also worked on Killing Eve. Okay. PWB. Nice. So. She sticks friends. with the best. Yeah. So then she goes through all the nice things about Harry and how like she he, uh, helped you know cared about her work. Really great with fucking her affectionate. Really fucking affectionate. <laughs> Again, like she is not into that. Um, and Buster thinks he's joking. He's like, yeah, sounds like a real dickhead. Like, um, <laughs> so then we you know she gets off the bus. They have their exchange uh, where he gets her number. He's so excited and she's. You know, and what's even she's funny, not. well, she's not. And then also when he gets her number and he says, I'll be sure to treat you like a nasty little bitch. Yeah. And that's where the famous gif now where she is laughing and then has that like disappointed look when he said he's yeah. only joking. So it's a little like she does want to kind of be treated negative because like, she doesn't value herself. Right. And also, you know, maybe that's your cake. But yeah, it's kind of funny, too, that yeah. she's like, oh, no, I'm kind of into that. But which um, is perfectly fine. Yeah. And so now she is going to be. <laughs> She runs to the bank. Yeah, and uh, that, you know what, that also shows you, like, she knows this bank loan is literally the most important thing in her life right now. Right. But she is late to it because of getting a date that she doesn't really want. Totally. Like, boom. Yeah, exactly. That's how desperate she Priorities. is for, for attention. Yeah. So now she's, you know, sweating at the bank, and we meet the bank manager, who's Hugh, Hugh Dennis, Dennis, who, um, and this is a scene 
you know, clearly we never thought we would see him again. And I think this, when we get to the silent retreat again, is another turning point for the show in terms of the depth of it, mm-hmm. because I thought this was just an interaction to show how men are terrible. Mm-hmm. And you know, this, that exchange at the end of perv slut, slut that you're just like, wow, these, this guy's disgusting and point made point made. Yeah, exactly. And so the fact that we, we are going to see him again later is just really, you know, redemption. Yeah. And very poignant. And I think to me added just a lot of depth to the show. Yeah. Uh, you were saying that his dad's actually, a his bishop? dad is a Bishop. That is true. So it's funny too. So this, he says, uh, your application was funny. Yeah. Which I heard in an interview with her, I think it might have been, I don't know if it was on uh, How to Fail or one of those, but where she said that she auditioned for Downton Abbey and was trying to play it like super serious. Like made a point. (laughs) Made a point not to be funny. And they were like, that was hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like that's kind of the, the call out here. So one thing too that I think is funny is, again, watching it with the captioning and catching some other lines is when he, they talk about their sexual harassment case mm. and the line he actually says almost right before she lifts up her top he goes there are one or two bits of pieces sorry he actually says there are one or two bits and pieces i'm gonna need to see some more of <laughs> right before she lifts up here her top you go. yeah yeah and here again is where he offers her water and at first she even is like no like i don't oh but then it's like actually yeah and then he doesn't even get no. it for her no but i did i think i thought it was really fun that he thinks that her application was funny. It ties in with the Down Heavy audition. Mm-hmm. But then in the, the last scene, they come oh, right. back to that and they right. share that moment again. And it is funny. Yeah. I mean, I think he, he th- reads it he wrong. It was but freaking... it is funny. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I also, I love that kind of thing won't get you very far here anymore. No. And I also think that's interesting that this came out like two solid years before Me Too. Oh, yeah. Not like this was, you know, not like this wasn't happening all the time, which is why Me Too happened. Right. But I do think it's a bit on the nose <laughs> or pre pre on the nose. Right. Again, prescient. Yeah. So then they have this awkward exchange. And the way, this to me is when she goes, I'm not trying to shag you. Look at you. I know. Which is kind of like you said, our first glimpse that she's not the nicest person right here. And I think kind of will tie in later with Bus Rodent because I, I and I'll say that when we get to the date, but I think um, th- just this idea of like everything comes back to who's sexually attractive. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, basically that's her giving herself higher status. Yeah. Well, because that's her only currency. Exactly. That's a great way to put I honestly it. was surprised that she didn't find him attractive because we see some of the other conquests of her life and. Like that one guy who thought she was so young. I was like, but Hugh Dennis, though. Right. <laughs> I'll, have, I'll do it. I think that guy had a braid. <laughs> a, pl- a plat. A plat. I'm sorry, a plat. Uh, okay, so then we come out of this scene, and she now is arriving at the feminist lecture. Ugh. Um, which is where we meet Claire. All yeah. hail Where's Sean Claire? Clifford. Where's Claire? She's at the feminist lecture. <laughs> um, and so Sean Clifford went to RADA with yes, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. They said they always wanted to play sisters. Um, so it's amazing. She's also the only cast member who does her own social. Mm-hmm. So And she's great. She actually has a... Um, she founded a company called Still Space that's all about like meditation and mindfulness. And Claire really could have used that. Which we're saying it's like the opposite of Claire. Claire would actually, I mean, Sean would probably actually love the silent retreat. Right. Um, 
so this is funny when she arrives and um she goes you're almost late and she goes i had to do a flash poo at pret <laughs> i didn't get that the first time which that, yeah so good pret a manger is yes. the it's like you know fast casual they have them in it's new york here, yeah. it's over here and um it sounds so fancy it's in and then malls you, sometimes and then you tell somebody oh by the way it's like cohen by mcdonald's and they're <laughs> like, oh. so i think it's so funny that claire asks her did you wash your hands like they expect the very least of her. <laughs> Everyone in her life expects that? nothing of her. Yeah. And then. And believes her even when she puts her potentially poopy hands on her. You are disgusting. On her face. Yeah. And it's like, of course I did. Like what? <sighs> you know, and then that segues in the line about it's not like I grew up without a mother. And wow. so. Yeah. We. She, I mean, they grew up with a mother, but right. then we. It segues into the fact that they're two motherless daughters. They've lost their mom. Yeah. Um, and that their dad deals with it by buying them feminist lectures, fucking our godmother and eventually stops calling. So there's a lot of exposition here. This is a case where the turn to the camera does give us some backstory. Yes. But it's also kind of funny. Like why would he pick feminist lectures? I know so many questions. Like was her, was their mother a feminist? Or does he just, because they're women, they must be feminists. And there's like not a female role to look up to now. So he's like trying to fill that hole somehow. Yeah. Which ironically, not, yeah. that's not is that the correct usage of ironically her mother yes. phoebe's Phoebe mother waller bridge's mother is the lecturer, is the lecturer yeah at women speak <laughs> the feminist lecture yeah and i would like to add a side note that we've discovered a great mystery and <laughs> we are looking to you yeah. to help if phoebe us. would like to call in and confirm so this leave for us. us a voicemail at fleabedpodcast.com yeah. The credits mm-hmm. for Phoebe Waller-Bridge's mom says Tree Waller-Bridge, mm-hmm. T-R-E-E. Right. And I initially thought that when Chrissy had written that out in our notes, that was autocorrect. A typo. Yeah. That is you saw not Teresa Because I later looked it up because I was like, that's insane. Yeah. And her name is Teresa. Right. But so, her nickname must be Tree. Right. And that adds to, there's a lot going, there's a lot to unpack there. Because <laughs> her nickname was Fleabag as a kid. Flea, just Flea. Flea. Her sister was Mouse. Right. Her mom is Tree. Yeah. Maybe her dad is Rock. Guinea pig. Guinea <laughs> Yeah. Her dad is probably guinea her pig. Her dad is guinea pig. Fox. Um, and, and her, her brother Fox. There you go. No, I don't know. And I think it's, maybe that started her interest in the importance of names and the lack of names. Mm, interesting. There's a lot of stuff yeah. to think about. That's one thing we were just talking about, the fact that uh, so many characters on here don't have names. I I probably made it to maybe season, like, episode four or five before I even noticed she didn't have oh, a name. Oh, I think I finished the whole first series. Because I wanted to, I was referring to some, telling somebody about it, I was wanted to refer to her. And I was like, wait a minute, what the hell is her name? And I had to look it up, and then I realized that she was just called Fleabag in yeah. all the credits. But, um, no, yeah. it's a fun tool. Yeah. And it's kind of. Because, again, it's something that could be kind of gimmicky. Yes. Similar to the fourth wall. Yes. But in a way, and, like, she obviously couldn't do it with everybody. I think if she did it with every single character, that would start to feel like a gimmick. But, and and I feel like the call out in the very last episode is almost a little much. That was the only thing I didn't really like. Only, yeah. But. What, when the it's a little meta. godmother doesn't know yeah. his name. Yeah. yeah. A little too meta. But the, um, to me, it, again, goes back to what you're saying about, like, the humanity of the characters mm. where, because when you think about it, like, we have not been going back and forth. We're like, well, Allie, I think this. Well, Chrissy, this is what right. I think. Good point, Allie. Like, we just talk to each other as people. Like, right. We obviously know our names, but 
And so it kind of just cuts right past that, and it just gets you right into just the essence of who you're because you're part of you're in her head. So right, you're exactly. just there exactly. Yeah. Um, so then we now into Claire. She's wearing the Claire the top that Claire lost years ago. Which did Fleabag steal? Oh, it? she for sure <laughs> stole it. She a hundred percent stole it. Yeah. But you know what? That's not even like that. I mean, neither of us have sisters, but right. that's a thing. I'm fairly I'm sure yeah. my sisters do. So I don't even think that's like out of the ordinary, but yeah. she certainly stole it. <laughs> we have um, friends of mine who have sisters have said this is a, one of the best portrayals of sisterhood. So I would say if you're listening, you have a sister and you want to speak to that, please let us know. Yeah. So I think that back to the parallel of her saying, um, do you want to take your coat off? Which again, <laughs> parallels back to the priest. That trench coat. Um, and also it's funny because Clara has her coat on for the whole scene. I saw that like the, you know, fifth time. Yeah. So, again, we were saying, like, they both know the truth that, that Fleabag is obviously wearing the top. But they're just going to pretend they're... they're ignoring it. They're Keep just going to ignore it. and carry on. Um, so then she asks, like, uh, your hair looks nice. Which, now we get the first call out that Claire has always been obsessed with her hair. Oh and then Claire asks, like, business is good. And, yes, it's really good. It's really good. It's really good. It really is. And I feel like that's a parallel to the dinner in season two when she's like, it actually is. Yeah. Like, here she's pretending it exactly. is. Exactly. And then it, it, we're getting closer to her actually being truthful. Yeah. Okay. So then we cut back now to this uh, cutaway of the guy setting up the it's laptop. Women are done speaking. <laughs> the women have. They've well, we just have this quick. Speaking. What? Oh, wait. We didn't. No, this is just the cutaway when she goes, oh. business is really good. And then we cut to see that it's actually right. not. And um, I just, this scene is one of those like little throwaway scenes of the guy setting up all of his okay. devices and his plugs it's like 45 minutes. And it's so brilliant because the patience to let the scene play out, he does it perfectly. Um, and she I think just it's, stands there. Yeah. What's funny, this guy, um, his name is Sean Richards Mulzak, and he's clearly a young actor because his IMDb photo is a still from this scene. <laughs> but he deserves to be huge because oh, sure. he was so good. But the thing that got me is when he switched to the adapter to plug in more than one <laughs> to have that... three devices. I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. That was the scene where my husband like burst out laughing yes. for the first time. And I knew he was in. He, yeah. And it, it, that was when I was like, all right. Yeah. I made the right decision <laughs> to marry you. Good job. Um, and I love what you were saying. Every time you watch, you see a new guinea pig. Oh accent. my God. There's guinea pig salt shakers. There's, there's guinea pig lamp. Like that. I, it's like a, the best world. Where's Waldo ever. I want that apron really bad. I know. There, somebody's selling it. Well, there's a lot of stuff on Redbubble.com, oh, but not and the, some Etsy, some Etsy and some action. Etsy stuff. But not someone get on that apron. Yeah, come on. Don't get drunk and shit in your sink again. What the hell happened <laughs> that made Claire shit in the sink? Well, we will probably we'll never, never know. know. And what I love is that she mentions Phoebe Waller-Bridge in, a, in an interview mentions that people go up to her sister who coincidentally did the music. music. Yeah. Isabel. Um, it's a family affair, mm -hmm. but they will ask Isabel if she shat in her sink <laughs> and like yeah. nothing could prepare you for <laughs> like hundreds of strangers approaching you yes. to ask if you shat your sink. And you're going to go, yeah, drunk. actually let me tell you the story. But yeah, no, I will clarify that she, she well, her story is, Oh, there is a real story. Not. Okay. She is saying she did not shit in the sink. <laughs> Let's believe so, it. So let's, yeah, I um, think we owe her Yeah, that. so that is just a great detail about Claire. Um, I swear there are pants that give you thrush. Oh, my gosh. And so. And you found, this, you know, again, pants. British listeners are like, uh, yeah, no doubt. Well, this is because I listened to 
a, a friend who has a podcast about Harry Potter um, erotica. <laughs> it's called, well, it, it was. I feel now much better about my Andrew <laughs> Scott impression. <laughs> it's hysterical. Anyway, there's a lot of mentions of pants in Harry Potter <laughs> erotica, erotica, as you can imagine. So um, I'm fairly educated. British people call underwear okay. pants. And pants are trousers. Got it. That makes more sense now. Yeah. That they would give her thrush. Yeah. I have not delved into the Fleabag fan fiction. I'm really oh, I haven't either. Yeah. I, one of the women from the group has sent me some links that I'm... I, she said Tentative. they're not the smutty ones. Um, a lot and of what's like the point. A lot of like what happens after the bus stop and all that. Mm. I'm I'm gonna maybe let that sit for a I, second. I agree. I think it just let it sit. Yeah. So now, uh, boo. We have a flashback now to boo. So we this is our this first be, yeah. introduction to her, um, played by Jenny Rainsford. We don't know how far back this is. We don't know if this is just someone who's still here, and this is just a side note. Right. Um, very funny too that, and then she comes out and says like, "I hate my body. I hate my body. I hate my body." Which again is another theme, feminist theme. Yeah. Every woman can relate to this. And you know, it's like you say it's feminist. It's just female. Right. But like it's feminist. Yeah. Because she's pointing out right. this is what women it's think. It's a message. Yes. Yeah. And like you were saying, the, the friendship with her and Boo is kind of reminiscent yes. of her and Vicky Jones. I loved hearing about her talk about yeah. that because I think I think like in season two when she says this is a love story, it's a love story there's a lot of love stories. Yeah. It's a love story. I think probably the biggest one is her and her sister, honestly. Mm. Obviously, I know you're offended because you're no, I team, th- I think team it's, priest. But no, I think it's her and her sister and her and herself. It, it's 100% yeah. her and herself. But it also celebrates her and Boo and this strong mm. female friendship that I don't think we see that much where they're really on each other. They're not against each other. They're not competing. Totally. They fully love each other. Right. They totally get each other. They have no one. They don't have anybody else. They yeah. pour their entire relationship. Yeah, you know all their love into each other right and i just think and and so that's what phoebe walbridge has said she has with um vicky jones who was the original director Mm -hmm. of the stage play right they Um, co-owned dry right yeah they created a theater company together and i think it's just incredible to like have a really positive example of just a true love right female friendship totally and then uh, very funny that Boo comes out and says she hates her oh hates God, outfit that does nothing for you. Uh, and so I think it's kind of that contrast between like the playful relationship she has with Boo mm. versus this kind of stiff one she has with Claire. Well, and that goes back to like Boo expects well of her. Claire yeah. expects poorly. Well, and, and in, even though Boo is saying something very judgmental of like that outfit's terrible, you know it's coming from a place of love. Exactly. And even when they're like, are you joking? Like, uh, And she's so cute about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> these are my clothes. I've been wearing these all day. <laughs> so I think, yeah, it, it, I think the part of the reason for that scene is to show that contrast yeah. um, with Good Claire. Point. So then when um, her mom comes out as the lecturer, tree. and which tree comes out, I love that it was such a perfect portrayal of those kinds of lectures oh that we've God. all been to. Where you're like, oh, I want to love this, but I... This and is she pre-laughs cheesy. at her question. Pre-laughs at her own question. I love that. I need some reassurance. <laughs> um, but about raise your hand if you would trade five years of your life for the so-called perfect body. So I ask you, Allie, would you trade five <laughs> years of your life? I mean, you have it. So maybe this is That's very unfair. nice of you to say. <laughs> this is the thing that I think about a lot now. Yeah. <laughs> because I, like, probably no. Right? 
probably you want to say that really want to but here are my these are my the factors that i'm taking into account the last five years of one's life i mean if you could choose right (laughs) which five years right they're not always livable not the best they're not always the best i mean we live in a cool time of medical innovation so (laughs) we might be fine but yeah i just feel like if you could honestly it's really about eating whatever i want Mm -hmm. (laughs) and doing whatever the fuck i want (laughs) and if i could do that and look good in clothes Mm -hmm. i'm not not thinking about it don't already look good in clothes thank you but like look part of her look good in all clothes (laughs) look good in all the clothes smaller clothes no and i mean i think again she's bringing out and the fact too and i haven't thinking that's the thing you have to think about it you really yes you're questioning it she's making us all think about this well and the fact that they both raised their hands yes so immediately. i think she's showing that like even the best of us fall prey to these yes messages and perceptions yes. and and so the idea when she turns like we're bad guys and yeah. it's also a nice little bonding moment like the two of them both said it yes um, i mean it's even like her describing her as anorexic and then just passing it off right because it's just the norm this is what women yeah. women just hate their bodies and women are yeah. anorexic but also then she's kind of judging claire also oh for sure of like even though know, she's I'm probably like, anorexic you're That's really why skinny she's too been, I know. <laughs> a friend of mine was like i don't really buy it when she's like oh that. she's the pretty you know like, yeah she's beautiful it's like oh so are you yeah but i think she, again she doesn't perceive herself that way i think that's the bigger exactly the more important point. The point and ironically we see later claire wants to end up looking more like fleabag i know so everybody wants what they don't have well so wait would you trade your body trade your body would you trade well, your Alex, body i didn't think that's where <laughs> this was gonna go would you trade um, five, five years, years of your life perfect body? Um, I kind of like what you were saying. If I could have five extra years at this age. Oh, for sure. Then no. Yeah. I don't know. I, I Body image is a tough thing. It is. It's, you know, I try to like, I try to tell myself like, oh, I'm, I'm like Lizzo. I'm just like, I'm <laughs> loving it. Body positivity. Body positivity. And I, you know, but at the same time we work for a health site and all day I'm reading like, <laughs> oh, you're killing your bones and your I know. back isn't loving this and you know Mama. visceral fat and all that it's I, I go back and forth I try to just I have said this before I find nothing more boring than women talking about their weight oh it's the worst I especially like someone pointed out they're like I, it was someone on Twitter um, I feel bad that I'm blanking on her name but she, saying like she wrote a column about how oh, like Oprah Winfrey is the most successful one of the most successful mm. people mm-hmm. of all time and she still talks about her weight mm-hmm. and does Weight Watchers. And she's like owns Weight Watchers now. Owns Weight Watchers. Everything in her, you know, everything's yep. about like, and I mean, and she's not skinny now. No. And she's definitely trying to embrace this healthy idea. But there are times where I'm just like, guys, stop. Men do not sit around <sighs> talking about this I shit. Know. And they just start getting shit done. So I think that's been the bigger thing for me. Like, now we're kind of on a side note, but like Lindy West and mm, Shrill. Yeah. Did you read the book? No, but I saw the I saw show, show. And I loved it. And her whole, like I heard her do that NPR story where she talks about like coming out as fat. Yeah. And cause they even, and you can even hear the interviewers afraid to say the word. And she was like, no, I'm telling you, I am fat. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying that, I'm saying that because that's not a bad word. Mm-hmm. It's a descriptive word. Mm-hmm. And we immediately place a judgment on it. And the thing that got me with her was, if I keep telling myself, oh, I need to lose 80 pounds, then I'll do this. My life is in perpetual Waiting. hiatus. Yep. And I'm not 
valuable until a certain thing has happened. And then what if that doesn't happen? I've just wasted my life. So that's yeah. even, even partly doing this podcast is just like, uh, you know, I'm overweight, but I'm <laughs> not that you're seeing that because it's a podcast. But I have had that mindset where it's like, well, I need to do this first. Then I can do X, Y, Z. And now it is refreshing a little bit to just be like, well, I can do this other thing. I don't, that, that doesn't have to be a prerequisite. Yeah. And so, also a child came out of your body. Well, so. a child did come out of my body. You know. Um, it looks like there's still one in there. <laughs> Stop. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't know when that second one's going to pop out and everything's going to surprise come back down. That's how that works, right? Well, it's funny because as you're pregnant, you're like, oh my God, once I have this baby, I'm just going to drain Suck out like a... Like- Oh no, to me it's like it's just gonna be like, you know, tapping a keg. Everything's just gonna drain <laughs> out here. And I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna lose like eighty pounds when I have this baby. And then you realize the baby weighs like nine pounds. So, <laughs> so the eighty pounds gained. What's the other it's not all placenta? Um But I, I'm glad that she's bringing it look, yes. we're having this conversation. Women all 100%. Over are having this conversation. Absolutely. And that's really important. Yes. And the idea every you could talk to any woman and she will find something wrong with her body. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's great. So now she is, Claire has called her out on the fact that she has her shirt. <laughs> now, again, wearing nothing under the trench coat. Yeah. And I said that, uh, there's kind of this theme of hiding something underneath. Yes. Like vulnerability underneath something that's hiding it. Yes. The best Claire attempting to give her oh a hug God. is, I laughed out loud so hard, the fact that she thinks she's like attacking her. Can't accept any gesture of kindness or no. love. Or physicality. Um, physicality. Like, they don't touch. They don't touch. And then Claire invites her out for a drink. And she says no. And like, immediately. Just immediately says no. I have plans. Yeah. So then Claire's just like, all right, see you next time at Women Speak. Like, this is just our forced interaction with each right. other. The very next stranger, Fleabag sees, she has to go out for a drink. Because she needs that thrill of being wanted, but she couldn't give it to yes. her sister she can't acknowledge to her sister that right. she needs help right and ask this total stranger who looks at her like what the hell is your problem right. um as you would do yeah so now she gets a text from bus Roden, which again is a rare show of technology here and now she has like you said she, she has to has to take it because she's just desperate right. to go out with anybody at this right. point and you could tell that's all she's thinking about just i need to be i right. can't be alone right i need to be wanted by someone right and i can't acknowledge to somebody that i'm hurting exactly. um <laughs> they cut now to the date <laughs> I love this line. My sister blows glass. <laughs> Just I, that line is so perfect. Of all the things the sister could do, she blows, um, she blows in, glass. In our notes when we were preparing for this, Chrissy just wrote out, my sister blows glass. LOL. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. It's just a good throwaway And line. then my colors this season are sort of brown mainly, but I wouldn't say no to a maroon. Also a little feminine. By tradition, like, who is this guy? But yeah, I, it's, it, again, specific, and it is, this guy is just, like, a talker. Oh, my God. Well, you know what's fun? The, the first inkling I had, not inkling, but the first example I had that she was, like, so brilliant at, at um, imitations is in accents. Is she is in an interview, I forget what it, it was, um, whatever, it was a podcast sort of about music and mm-hmm. rhythm, and mm-hmm. She was talking about the rhythm of his voice, and she inter- she imitated it perfectly. Wow. Like how everything, he kind of waits, and then he says everything all at once. <laughs> and so you can just tell she thought that through. Like, I just think that's like her genius, because she thought that through, and she communicated that to him, and it's just yeah. perfection. Yeah. She's not really having a good time. He's, you know, 
again, he's competent. He's just talking about himself. He doesn't let her talk at he all. He doesn't really let her talk. I don't think he's trying that hard, but still. Right. And then, which is funny, like you said, because he's like, I like you. Even yeah. Though he has you don't know her. nothing about her. She steals money from his wallet when he goes to the bathroom, <laughs> um, which, again, feels like a transaction. She's just going to take this money. Yep. But then when he comes back, she's just like, we can just go to mine. Right. We can go to yours. And he's just like, no. Bewildered. Bewildered and kind of like, no, I really do have to get up early and... And I don't think he's, like, blowing her off, like, no, no he, I don't like you. It's just, like, we're, we've just met. Right. And and really just kind of wants to get to know her. Um, and I think it's it's bringing up a lot of women wouldn't do that. And It's not expected. And I think it's fine if you do. But and, that's not expected. And she also is not doing it in any kind of romantic or flirty right. way. It literally is just like, well, let's just go to yours. Right. Like, that's, let's just get this over That's with. why we're having this conversation. Exactly. Let's just do this. Right. And so I also think, because then when he, you know, she calls him pathetic. That he doesn't want to do it. And I think because of how he looks, she thinks he's she's doing him a huge favor by having sex with him. Because to her, the currency, like you said, is being found yeah, sexually that's her val- attractive. That's the value. That's the value. So for her to say, I'm willing to sleep with you, you're welcome. And for him to turn that down, she's now like, well, who the fuck do you think you are that you're going to say no to me? Right. So it just really... There's so much there where you're learning more about her mindset. Even though, I mean, she kind of just comes off like an asshole. Oh, for sure. But at the same time, we we understand why she, her she's got this twisted logic in her. Well, head. and I feel like she also, she, in her head, she's doing this so she can have sex. Right. Like the drinks, the talking, the yeah. listening to him talk about maroon. <laughs> right. You're telling me it's and all for nothing. And then he's saying it's for nothing, and she's like, "What the fuck? Why would I give <laughs> I just two hours my of my time. life, and I don't even get the thirty seconds that I'm looking for?" Exactly. Wow, you underestimate uh, bus road there. No, but that's because she's not going for the sex. <laughs> first kidding. of all, eh. but also because oh. I think the thirty seconds is of being wanted. Yeah. Oh. Right. And the the thrill and yes. the electricity. That's all. That's what she's in it. You're for, right. You're you right. Know? So he actually picks up the money that she dropped. That's his. <laughs> that she stole. Because um, he's really just being kind of nice, and she's uh, looking like he's looking at us. Like she knows she's um, uh, like ugh. I know. Like you said. Um, so now we see the drunk girl at the bus stop. Yes. And I think this is interesting because it's now giving Fleabag another chance to feel high status. Cause she looks at her like, are you okay? Mm-hmm. And, and then the girl looks at her like, are you okay? Like you, sad face. Yeah. And yeah, like you're not any better than this. Like you're woman. also sitting on the curb with me. Right exactly. Now. Exactly. And now I was kind of confused. Cause it's funny when she goes, you're, fr- you're such a lovely man, <laughs> which is kind of a first reference to Fleabag coming off as masculine. Cause later when, godmother talks about the portrait she's like you know pictures of you as children you look like a boy (laughs) and it's also funny because we've both heard an interview that phoebe waller bridge went through a phase where she wanted to be called alex she cut her hair real short for like years for years of her childhood yeah so she's got a connection to to being perceived as masculine and i think she's just she's playing more of the masculine role she's right you know reckless about sex she's not making a lot of human attachments she's rejecting you know it's and that's sort of showing you you know um, and I think that's it's intentional background. that the woman looks a little like Boo. She oh, she looks for sure. Yes. Really reminds reminds you of Boo. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then Fleabag invites her home, yeah. which I would I kind of just thought of like, do you need help? Maybe I'm just really naive. I guess she was hitting on her. I saying, th- do you I think come home she with was. Me? I think when she when she feels a splinter of a connection with somebody, right. she thinks just, they should have sex. I'm at the end of the night. It's like, it's like she needs to fill the yeah ga- yeah it's like that skit that where it's like well we're the last two people here guess we're doing this um yeah I think she doesn't know what else yeah to do doesn't want to be alone right 
so now we have this flashback when she's in the cab talking about um oh no i'm sorry oh yeah she's not in the cab wanna, yet and actually i wanted to say yeah. what i also think is important about the boo lookalike is that she's she can't even have a platonic interaction mm. with somebody mm-hmm. and that's why i think the bank manager coming back is so important because he is her only platonic yeah. non-familial relationship you're right and like that's extraordinary i think right for her right and unexpected that yes. that's who it would be yes so now we just have a flashback to boo and her in the cafe smoking <laughs> and drinking wine which to me it wasn't still clear that this was their cafe that they ran together mm-hmm. i thought they were just somewhere mm-hmm. um but and even here i was actually a little unclear on what the relationship was i wasn't sure like were they more than friends? But, and again, this is like, women can't just be affectionate with each other right. without it being like, oh, they must be a lesbian. Like, right. you know, I think that was another important portrayal of them just being physically affectionate yeah. with each other. They love each other. They love each other. And I love that they, that song, which I get stuck in my head all the time yeah. now. So happy yeah. to be a modern woman. I love that. They wrote that. That, that song doesn't exist. I thought that I wondered was like if it was like a drinking song. Fo- yeah. A drinking song about not, abortion. I know. Another abortion. <laughs> um, but I just enjoyed that they wrote a little song. And part of me is like, oh, did, did Phoebe and, and Vicky Jones come up with that? And then they inserted it. And Aww. they're just best friends. Or maybe, <laughs> maybe probably Isabel probably wrote it. Oh, you're right. She yeah. She is the composer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not anyway. a... <laughs> I'm not a cinematographer, but I would might think. Um, yeah, and then she goes, let's never ask anyone for anything. They don't get it. I kind of had a moment where I'm like, what does this mean exactly? But I think it's like they don't understand what this is. They're, so we're yeah. not going to ask. It's just us. Because that kind it's of friendship doesn't always exist, and it's right. not portrayed anyway often. And they, they don't have anybody else. Right. They have secluded themselves. I kind of took it Isolated as like when she goes, they don't get it. It's like not only do they not understand us, they don't they don't get to have what we have. Yeah. Like they don't get it. Double um, At least that was to no, me. No, I like that. You're right. Um, like don't share. Right. So now we're at her, we hear her banging on a door. We find out it's her father's house. We're just saying like, I'm absolutely fine. Everything's fine. Also her, her little doot, 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 doot. <laughs> at two in the morning. Like, um, her dad is played by Bill Patterson, who um, my husband dubbed a shorter, more hesitant Tywin Lannister. <laughs> Which is so true. Which I can see. It really is not the um, uh, very different personality. Oh, so yeah. now this was, we have the, I have a horrible feeling that I'm a greedy, perverted, selfish, apathetic, cynical, depraved, morally bankrupt woman who can't even call herself a feminist. So this kind of became like the log line of, like for the show and for yeah. the character. And it's actually a little bit of a confession to a father what um it's a little bit of a stretch but i like it but yeah like she's just kind of at a low point here yeah and she what what hurt to watch is that this is the first time she is actually expressing something that she's feeling to a person especially a person who's close to her like her father Mm -hmm. and he does not know what to do with that and he just turns it back around and not only sort of dismisses it but also points out that her mom is not there to be there for her right like points out points out the hole and then just does nothing with yeah. that and then says let me call you a cab so you can leave yeah. and i you know it's like there's tenderness yes and there's there's love there yeah but he cannot give her what she needs exactly he just doesn't through know no how. fault of his own right he does not know how yeah so has her come in don't go upstairs. So she, of course, she goes up, immediately goes upstairs. And now we meet Godmother. Oh, I 
Olivia Coleman, all hail the queen. Literally. Literally going to be in the crown next season. And I got to say, this looks awesome. Like very cozy, painting in the middle of the night with this jazzy music. And I looked up on Amazon X-Ray that the song is called I Can't Stop Crying, which is Everything is fantastic. so perfect. So I love, she's not an evil stepmother. <laughs> she's just a cunt. Um, um, which, by the way, that's a word that Phoebe has said she loves. She knows Americans hate it. Yeah, a lot of women hate it. It is awfully descriptive in the right um, scenario. So, um, and she is a cunt. <laughs> she kind of really is. She is. Uh, even though not not initially, we're not seeing it. No. And I think you said like at this point, she Fleabag's not an entirely reliable narrator. Right. So by all measures, like she seems perfectly right. pleasant. And she goes, you know, I thought that must be you. <laughs> Like, oh, oh, who the first thing she says is a dig. Right. You don't really realize it until, you know, then, you know, later on. But first thing she says is like, oh, who else would be knocking on my door at two in the morning? Yes. The problem child. Right. And then nighttime's very peaceful, usually. Which? (laughs) Which kind of connects to here's to peace and those who get in the way of it. Oh, my heart. Um, So this is not the first time. uh, Or we, you know, we see that again later. See the statue first time hear the story there um which i think is interesting like you pointed out that she doesn't offer up front that it's based on her mother which i mean in fairness phoebe might not have known that when she wrote this season i think actually she didn't they actually i listened to some podcasts and that was sort of figured out right towards the end but it also kind of fits that the godmother would not offer that (laughs) that she wouldn't offer that right away she's withholding her mother she's yes she's like actively trying to replace her so and people have brought that up like why is the godmother attracted to the father what you know she seems there's such different personalities is she just taking advantage of him i think she genuinely loves him and i think people have pointed out that the godmother takes her worth from the interesting facts about the people around her oh my gosh yes she makes herself interesting by the people around her this is my deaf friend daniel yes exactly and (laughs) obviously from what we hear later about fleabag's mother from her dad she was a very outgoing, very loved, very kind person. Yes. So it seems like maybe the godmother is trying to apply that admiration to herself by just stepping into this role. Yeah. Not recognizing that it took more than just that. Right. So I think there's a theme as you start to watch the season two of people asking, are you okay? Yeah. And I, <laughs> it could almost be a drinking game <laughs> of every time a character asks someone, are you okay? Drink. And I think it's, fitting because i feel like that's a question we all ask each other or like how are you doing but we don't really mean it we right. don't really want to know the answer right so the it's idea just a, that's just what you say yeah and i think the idea that like most of us are like at any given time are not okay right so um i really like that all right then she gives the thing about women that the statue means women are subtle war- warriors strong at heart we don't have to use muscular force to get what we want. We use our innate femininity, which I feel like ties later to the Kristen Scott Thomas speech. Oh, yeah. For about sure. women and men. One thing I do think is um, fitting here, too, is that that's actually an interesting point that, that the godmother makes. And like they point out later, like she's actually very talented and oh, perceptive yeah. in that way. I would love to know the story about the statue as a prop. Like, was it made specifically for the show? Is it something? I looked this up and I could not. The Allie? only thing I could find was that Sean Clifford took it home. I <laughs> love it. But that's it. That's Nobody fantastic. else is talking. That would be great if they win an Emmy and that's what they give them. Oh. <laughs> or they're just uh, holding both. One in each hand. Oh, my God. It'd be amazing. I love her that her, her self-portrait is just this, like, mush, mush abstract. <laughs> I don't know if that's, like, a th- anything about how we see ourselves. I know. So then when she goes down to get her dad, if you watch closely, you can see Fleabag stealing the statue off camera. Yeah. 
and then comes back up. Please look after yourself. You look ghastly. You do really, really do, do look, look ghastly, ghastly darling. Um, oh, which <laughs> That's like the when everybody some someone says to you like you look tired. Yeah, like, fuck you. Um, well, that's I mean, Claire says that's what Fleabag says to Claire at the oh, that's uh, right. thing. Yeah, thanks. I've been actually sleeping really well lately. <laughs> fuck you. Which is probably not true. Yeah. Um. So now she's in the cab on the way home, and I just want to tell a side story. When we were in London, I didn't know this. The cabs have a window behind the driver, but then there's like a little light that says the driver may be able to hear your conversation, and then they talk to you through like a little speaker. That's so, so at one point, my friend and I were just talking about something, and all of a sudden, like we were like, you're here for holiday? Like just like through <laughs> the speaker, and we were just like, what is happening? So anyway, but this was just like, so she's in the cab. And now we get another big old exposition because mm-hmm. the driver's like, t- you know, asking her to tell the story. And we get the whole background about what happened with Boo and that she, uh, her boyfriend fucked somebody else. She was depressed about it, wanted to just injure herself to have to go to hospital and not let him see her. That, that, uh, you know, <laughs> leap of logic. Yeah. Not only that it wasn't just, oh, he'll have to be sympathetic and come to the hospital to see me. <laughs> No, I want the power to tell him he can't come see me. Right. Which I've been saying, like, clearly Boo was not entirely mentally healthy. No. And I think for all the guilt that Fleabag puts on herself for triggering that, she might also feel guilt for not recognizing sooner that maybe Boo is not entirely yeah. okay. Yeah. Because that's well, not a have, thing yeah. a sane person does. And you have to wonder how wrapped up in herself Fleabag was before Boo, yes. before her mom passed away. Right. Like, who knows? We don't know right. her before these traumas. And so. even that was after her mom had died. So maybe she was so wrapped up in that, right. she wasn't really paying attention to Boo. But yeah, and then the fact that three people died. Oh, God, I know. So she doesn't, like, you said, doesn't she just have... She has three people on her conscience. It's not just her soulmate. Right. It's three random people. Yeah. You know, there, there's a lot there, and we understand... Um, more now about why she's acting the way she is mm-hmm. um and of course then she like unbuttons her jacket and is like half naked and the cab driver's like what the hell's happening back there well and i personally love when she's just like three people died what a dick she was such a dick <laughs> such a dick uh, um yeah and so he's he's just kind of flabbergasted <laughs> by all of this which is a little bit like the audience perspective right of like i don't know what to make of all this right um and then of course at the end we see she's taken the statue and that final look she gives the camera oh, is just so badass so badass and but also again layered of like yeah like fuck yeah, yeah. good for you and like also i'm hurt i'm so i yeah i'm and trying like, to hurt others right and just kind of like you have a couple problems just a couple just a couple but um but it it, you know, and then the way the music kicks in, like it definitely is just the energy of the show. Oh, I feel like fam- right there. Absolutely. Um, and it draws you in for uh, when, when that two. one finished. I was like, next, totally next up. And I think that's where again, at the end, people might be like, I don't like this character. Mm. I don't, you know, that's what people say. Oh, it didn't hook me. But I, I think it's speaking to what we've come to expect from television. That's standard where, you like somebody because it's black or white if they are a good person or not. Right. And I think here, the fact that you have this kind of gray throughout it, but also the idea that she isn't maybe necessarily a good person here, but she's interesting. Right. And and I've, there's reasons why she's acting the way she's acting. Right. And I've heard, like, Phil Rosenthal, who did Every Lives Raymond, he talked about that because he said, 
when they're I don't know which character it was. Uh, I guess if he was, I don't know if he's talking about like Larry David's character, but someone mm-hmm. will be like, "Oh, this character's not likable," mm-hmm. and he goes, "I don't need them to be likable. I need them to be funny." Mm-hmm. That's and, the like, premise of Always Sunny, right? Is these are terrible. They get people. worse and worse every yeah. season. <laughs> or like Archie Bunker. I mean, you can go yeah. back to all these characters who are not necessarily good people no. um, or likable people, but they're funny and they and reveal with, things about us. And I think with her. You know, and those are bad examples because those are sitcoms where characters don't really change. But true, in this case, it's like I am very interested in this person. Yes, regardless of where she is morally right now. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and then that gets us jumping into season two. There's uh, episode two. So we will be back next time to jump into episode two, which starts with one of my favorite scenes I think of the show on the bus. Incredible. Um. So, but we will stop. We've been talking a very long time. Yeah, we won't tell you how long this took us to record. So that is episode one. Um, we'll be back to talk about um, episode two. But in the meantime, like we said, you can reach us at all of our different socials. We've got our website, fleabagpodcast.com. We've got the Fleabag Situation at gmail.com if you want to email us. Facebook group, Fleabag Situation. Instagram, Fleabag Situation Podcast. And Twitter at Fleabag Podcast. And as we said, you don't have to wait till Chatty Wednesday to talk to us. We would love it if you went to our website and either sent us an email or left us a voice message with anything you want to say about the show, both Fleabag and this show. And then wherever you are listening, go ahead and hit subscribe and leave us a review. We would love it. Um, So next time we'll be breaking out episode two and uh, we'll get chatty with you then. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. The Fleabag Situation, a Fleabag fan podcast, is co-hosted and produced by Chrissy Moore and Ali Lemko-Torin. Podcast logo designed by Chris Corum at designinyourhead.com. Sexy Mortgages, voiced by Dana Swanson. For more, visit us at www.fleabagpodcast.com. say something I I like to see the moon Me too